Welcome to Business Talk with Henrietta. This is the place where we speak with the most up-and-coming female entrepreneurs to figure out how they've built the life of their dreams. And today we're speaking live with Frederike Smith, the founder and creative di director of Rockamore Shoes. And you have the powerful mission of making women standing strong in their own place in this world. You make beautiful high heels and mm -hmm. I've chosen one here uh, myself, yes. Um, and we also, you also name them after powerful women. You have designed them so that, that they are as comfortable as possible uh, when we are going out and tackling everyday challenges. And they are handmade in Italy and scientifically tested by a Danish hospital. So luxury shoes we're having here. You also sit on BioFounders Collective. I need to read here the board of representatives for Culling Design School and have been chairwoman of the government restart team for fashion and textile in 2021. Wow. You are strong women with a unique drive, passion and flair for design and also excellent marketing. I've been so excited to come here today, speak with you about entrepreneurship, marketing, shoes, leadership, and to figure out how did you make it? Because if you can, then we also can. As I mentioned, the world needs more fem uh, female entrepreneurs. If you can, we can. Welcome to the studio, Frederica. Thank you. Yes. And now we just want to go back to the start. Mm -hmm. Frederica, how old are you now? I'm 39. Okay. And who are you? Like, who are you as a person? Who were you when you were on your upbringing? When I was a child. Yes. I was the lonely kid with uh, um, a single mother and no siblings. I grew up amongst uh, grown-ups and I, I thought I was always right. So when I started school, I got very annoyed that what, I wasn't allowed to decide what everybody had to play. Uh, and so I uh, figured out I had to learn how to do teamwork <laughs> in order to get friends. And so I joined a circus because okay. that was my way of finding a team. Yeah. And uh, I got very, very good friends, and I figured out how to deal with responsibility and, let's say, a lot of challenges when you're very young. And I traveled around most of Europe when I was from I was eight till I was sixteen, uh, being an artist. And then I found out boys existed. I stopped okay. being an artist <laughs> and started uh, going to parties. And fast forward about twin no ten years when I was twenty five. I went to Italy to become a shoe designer. Yes, I, I read that. I've been stalking you, you know. Great. <laughs> always a good way to start a friendship. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I always say that. I'm stalking people all the time. And you, you went to an education in Florence, right? In Italy. Yeah, that's true. So you always had this dream of becoming a shoe designer. Yes. When, is, yeah. yeah, when I was little, I wanted to be a fashion designer. And so I went to this school when I was about 14, I think. It's a prep school in Denmark where they teach you how to become a tailor because that's what you need to apply to become a fashion designer. And uh, I thought it was the most boring thing I'd ever done. And I lasted all of two weeks. And then this was the same time I had discovered boys. Uh, there were boys on the third floor. 
and they were more fun and yeah. they uh, <laughs> they were working with these very big machines and they were doing shoes they were becoming shoemakers okay. and these like big things that moved and you know every time you had a, uh, a shoe up there and you would use it it would go like and it would eat all of the material and you could see the progress and you would go from like nothing to a finished product in a couple of days which was so much more satisfying than sitting on the second floor and measuring up two millimeters to the left and to the right and seeing no progress in all of three weeks. So I ended up falling in love with shoes. Yeah, and, and that's how you kind of also made this brand because yeah. Rockamore, how, how did everything with Rockamore start out? Was that straight from your studies, you know, now I'm going to build my own company or was it, did you do some detours before, you know, starting all this? A million detours. I actually learned last year that it's not about the final goal, it's about the process. And you have to appreciate the chaos that you're in because it's never it's never gonna end. Uh, so if this isn't fun, then you should do something else because this is it. So I that's agree. at least my journey. Uh, until then I thought I had to you know, jump over something and like when I'm done or when I arrive at the finish or when something, then I'll be happy, successful, whatever. Yeah. And I've just discovered successful and happy right now. Um, so yeah, there was a lot of beginning mistakes, there was a lot of not knowing what I did and for the first two years I really didn't want anybody to talk about my company. I got pissed if we talked about it because I was so insecure and nothing worked and everything was a mess and I couldn't deal with it. Like this company? Yeah, and yeah. all dinner party was like, oh so how is your company doing? I, fuck off, I don't know, <laughs> let's just talk about something else. Um, so it was, it was tough, yeah. but um, it got started out of spite. It, spite? Yeah. Can you, what's spite? Spite in Danish is trossi. So when somebody tells you you can't do something, yeah. then uh, it, it's a lot easier to do it. So you're, you're like that type of person, you get motivated when people say, no, 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 you can't do that, you exactly. can't do that. And then you're like, fuck you, I'm going to show you I'm going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think one of the reasons is it's so easy to prove somebody wrong when they have low expectations. Mm -hmm. So if they already think I suck, I might as well try. But if they think I'm a star, it's so much more intimidating to actually try. Oh. So it's a gift to be, in my opinion, it's a gift to be under undervaluated. Yeah. People think that you're not good at something. You have that much more time to run them up before they discover that you're actually good at something. Exactly, exactly. And then people normally don't judge you by your cover either because you've been, is it, if you were like this big star and then you were like on this pedestal and when people meet you, they tend to get nervous because like, wow, she's all this. And mm -hmm. then you can rather, you know, come in there, open mind, and then just impress them by your presence. Yeah, or yeah. prove them wrong. Or prove them wrong, <laughs> exactly. So uh, we're back in, it's about five, six years now, no. Uh, it's a bit more, it's eight years ago. Eight years ago, yeah. when you started this adventure. And yeah. and it's probably been a roller coaster. How How's everything Very. been like from the, First, like, did you start out making a shoe and then start selling it on the street? And they were like, how do you even build a, a shoe company or a fashion brand? Yeah, so I was working in Italy as a shoe designer. I was there for eight years and met my then boyfriend, now husband. And he want, he's Italian and he wanted to move out of Italy for his PhD. He's insanely smart. So he, uh, he needed to do some uh, experience within his field and we're very good at that in Denmark. So he wanted to go to Denmark. And yeah. so we left Italy for that reason. I didn't really want to leave. I, I had a blast. Uh, and I was like, yeah, okay, I'll find a job in Denmark. I have a lot of experience. I, uh, 
I'm good at what I do and I'm Danish, I'll talk my way into companies. And it just didn't work. I didn't get a job. And so I had to do something else. So I went and did a top up of my very short education. So I had a little bit longer education. Yeah. And, uh, and as a bachelor project, I wrote my thesis, let's call it that, mm-hmm. on how to build a shoe company in Denmark. And it should be all of the opposites of what was already existing. So it should be colorful shoes. It should be inspiring women to stand strong, take their space in the world. Yeah. It should be handmade in Italy. It should be all about um, all the materials that we already put out in the world. Mm-hmm and uh, no waste or as little waste as possible, all of these amazing things. And obviously that would have a price point that's higher than what Danish shoes usually are. And so then I took it to my exam and I got really crap grades. (laughs) And I was told by this guy, uh, we have two two people in Denmark who judge you. So there's your own teacher and then there's the center. So like an out, uh, a guy from outside who comes in and this guy from outside, I remember him looking at me and being the guy you spoke about in the introduction mm. he really didn't like me or whatever I was doing mm. and he he just he was so disappointed and he told me who's ever gonna do this like how is this ever gonna happen you're just you and who's gonna look at the numbers mm. Mm. and this feeling like just mm. because I'm not educated in, in finances or market uh, economics why shouldn't I be able to look at the numbers? Why shouldn't I be able to understand them? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that's where the spite came from. Because mm-hmm. fuck him. Yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> fuck him. And that's also one of your, you know, big motivations. But you cannot build a big company out of just anger and spite. So we'll get else? pretty far. You get pretty far. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, fine. Because my next question was like, what, what motivates you? What keeps you going? What keeps you, you know, wake up in the morning every day, you know? working for all this why uh, why and and how do you get motivated so two years ago I noticed everybody kept calling me entrepreneur every time they interviewed me mm. and every time I was featured in something the entrepreneur like I was like okay fair enough mm. I'll deal with it I'll be an entrepreneur you didn't want to be an entrepreneur <laughs> no, no I didn't I didn't want to be anything I didn't I didn't want to be a leader I didn't want to be a boss I didn't want to be an entrepreneur I didn't want to be anything I just wanted to be left alone and do what I know how to do with nobody judging me mm-hmm. and that wasn't possible as you did as a child yes of course that's much more fun yeah um, but then that wasn't possible and like, okay so I'll be an entrepreneur and then I figured out about the same time mm-hmm. that what's really fun about being an entrepreneur is placing yourself in chaos and managing that chaos like finding the fun in the chaos and the even better part is finding people who enjoy that with you so back to the feeling of circus mm-hmm. it's kind of like the feeling at our office mm-hmm. we have a ton of people who thrive in chaos everybody's okay with dealing with it yeah. and everybody gets snappy and happy when new stuff comes in the door yeah that's the best feeling in the world exactly yeah i sometimes i sometimes get little you know with chaos it's just like i feel like i need to get control of the chaos it's like something there something there something there something there i need to you know gather it all together i've made a video on this as well when i get stressed out i just make myself a mile long to-do list and then mm-hmm. i try to prioritize what's important now what's important after what's and then what's important after that again do, do you have any like structure in all this chaos of being an entrepreneur or of or course do you just otherwise you don't get very far uh, no. i have a lot of structure but i think the important thing is knowing and really truly understanding you'll never get out of it like the chaos is never done you're never finished. You never get to go home to an empty inbox. 
that just doesn't happen. No. So you have to be okay with that. So when do you figure out when to stop? Like you've had a day from six o'clock in the morning until five o'clock in the no, not five, uh, like ten o'clock in the, the evening, and then you're like, I'm really tired now. And then there's come more emails. You want to answer because this is your passion. This is your company. You want to drive it forward. How do you like decide like now it's enough? I need to stop because if you just continue, continue, continue. I don't know, you will get burned out. I don't know. Like So if you were an investor yeah. and a person came to you with this truly good business idea or a great company that she or he already built, <laughs> and the person told you they work from six in the morning to ten in the evening mm. every day, mm. would you invest in them? Mm, mm, good question. <laughs> no, people don't ask me questions. I'm like, mm, am I supposed to think? No, uh, I'm. Uh, no, I, I, I think you wouldn't. That's a bad investment. Yeah, that's a bad investment. On paper, that, we all know that doesn't that doesn't hold. That wouldn't be healthy for them. No, yeah. so you wouldn't invest in them. So you really have to. So for me, the easiest thing is not to see myself. All of this, like, take care of yourself and self love, and like, <laughs> I really don't care. I think it's no. it for me. It's bullshit. It just it makes me. Um, be spiteful again yeah. and feel like I can do better yeah. because I'm very competitive. Yeah. So I look at myself as a product. I'm the product that people invest in because now we do have investors on board. Yeah. So they invested in me. So I'm not a racehorse. Okay. I have to last long enough to get for them to get their money's worth back. Exactly. So if I'm the product, then I also have to maintain the product just like I maintain my shoes mm -hmm. or all the people that work in the company. Mm -hmm. So I work from about nine till five yes. and I don't work on weekends. Exactly. And it, I'm just insanely efficient in the time that I work. Perfect. That's good. That's what we all should do. It's the dream <laughs> to not be working in the weekends and not be working after five. Um, what was I going to say? Interesting investors. You have investors on your company now. Yep. How long have you had that and how did you run this investment round? Um, so I've had, uh, I've raised money three times and I bought investors out twice. Because I fucked up the first two times, okay. got smarter, <laughs> oh, figured yeah. out what I yeah. wanted. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, we're still good friends today. They're very nice people. They believed in me and they got me far, but mm -hmm. it wasn't the right fit. Mm -hmm. So now I have investors again, third time around, mm -hmm. and I think I, I I I think I'm not sure, but I think I know how to manage them now. Yeah, and that's the biggest part of having investors because what you really get is shareholders. Yeah, which is basically people who have very strong opinions about your company mm. all the live long day yeah it's like always having someone you know yeah pointing pinching you. you all mm. the time and be like do this do this deliver this yes how, how did you fuck up like how did you do that uh so the first person that i um went into a collab with i completely fell in love with this person's ability to sell themselves mm -hmm. so they were very uh salesy mm -hmm. and uh uh, everything sounded like picture perfect. Like, yeah. oh, I want something of that. Because I felt so insecure about what I was doing and I didn't think I was good enough and I didn't know if I knew how to do this because I don't have any of my skills on paper. I'm, I'm one of those people who learn while I do it because mm -hmm. I keep placing myself in the chaos. I have to figure it out. Yeah. But I never studied for it. Mm -hmm. So until I've, I've, I have a track record, which I do today, I didn't trust that I could do any of it. Mm -hmm. And this person had done all of it. Mm -hmm. So then I thought, oh, okay, then I'll just be friends with you and mm -hmm. it'll all work out. Like, mm -hmm. You'll give me some money and you'll give me a lot of guidance and yeah. it'll be a success. And yeah. then obviously that wasn't true. But that's fair. It's fair to think like that. I would think the same. I would be like, if I had a guy who were really good at numbers and financing and stuff, not good at that at all. Like if I could do the things that I'm good at and he could do the things that he's good at, you know, 
why wouldn't that work out? So why well, if he's not your co-founder, he would never be equally interested in okay. making your company succeed. So that was why it was all a mess or got fucked up? Well, I think at the end of the day, you're the only one doing the job. Mm. So if you've decided to become an entrepreneur or mm. your own boss, you need to learn your own numbers. Mm. Numbers are power. If yes. you know what's happening, you know what you can do. You know how to make decisions. So they might be boring, mm. but then find somebody who can explain them to you in an interesting way. Mm. You don't have to know how to do all the math. I don't. But I do understand what my gross margin is. And that's important because that's what I base all my purchases on. Yeah, that's yeah. my production. Mm. And that's how I know how much I can afford marketing, which mm. is the fun part. Yeah. So, you know, at the end of the, the, all of it, I get what I want, which is money for marketing. Mm. But I need to understand how. So I think if you put yourself in the role that you wanted to build a company, it's dangerous to say, but I don't want to deal with this part over here. Because no. if it's your company, you should deal with all of it yeah. in your way. Yeah. There's not one way to do it. There's no right way to do it. No. But just you need to understand what's going on in every part of your company. Exactly. About marketing. I've seen all your campaigns or a few of them, uh, you know, have you seen them? It's the, you know, respect high heels in the boardroom with mm -hmm. they're putting on high heels on men. And then you have the, when the world sucks, glitter rocks and truth for the moon. It's just incredible campaigns and really Thank you. creative in the way you're lifting other women up, uh, standing for, you know, strong women take their place in the world. Mm -hmm. How, how did all this marketing ideas come from? Like, how did you, yeah, come up with all these genius ideas. Uh, so they're not all genius, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying they're genius, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I have what a lot of people call a popcorn brain. So just stuff keeps happening and just, you know, popping into my brain. Mm -hmm. And uh, then I'm addicted to good marketing. So I, I can't help noticing every time people do good marketing. Mm -hmm. And uh, then I can't, I, I well, in the beginning, I couldn't afford anybody to do it for us, mm -hmm. uh, which is actually the case for every single job in the company. So mm -hmm. I've done everything, That's just, which has been a gift when you have to hire people for that job. Because yeah. then, for instance, I did all of our Facebook marketing in the beginning. Mm -hmm. Not knowing how that works, you figure out how it works. You also figure out what kind of person you then need for it. Oh. Because now you've done it. Yeah. And the same with marketing, but then I just thought marketing was so much fun. Yeah. So I've never hired anybody else to do it because I, I want to do it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but where cam campaigns usually come from customers, people around, uh, inspiring moments, inspiring stories, uh, yeah. all of these uh, insanely amazing and fun shoe lovers that we have. Mm -hmm. We have this community on Facebook in a group called Rockamore Shoe Lovers. And, uh, and everybody in there shares their their own passion, their own lives, their moments, what makes them happy, what makes them sad. And there's mm -hmm. a lot of campaigns built on that. And yeah. there's a lot of campaigns built on them. Because mm -hmm. most of the rebels mm. are real people. Yeah. So they're people that we met and fell in love with and decided to celebrate. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it comes from the people and that's that's how it makes that's how it becomes so great because it's from the people. Yeah, like right now we have Trina Lise and yeah. she uh, can brighten up any day. Yeah. She's one of the most funny women I've ever met. Yeah. And uh, so when the world sucks, it should actually say Trina Lise rocks. Yeah. <laughs> but glitter also rocks. Yeah, you it also makes had you an happy. event here uh, with Tina Lisa, right? Yeah, She exactly. was doing some stand-up uh, things here. Was it yes. last week? I think so. Yeah. yeah. You're having a lot of events here with, uh, you know, we love live people. podcast. And yes. people. It's, it's really good. But what's your um, um, advice then for, for other people who, who want to start their own company? Yeah. 
Um, in the beginning, I spent a lot of time thinking that I didn't know what I was doing and that I wasn't allowed to do it because I didn't know what I was doing. Mm -hmm. So I was almost scared that somebody would come and take it away from me. Mm -hmm. But I was also very scared of owning all of my own decisions. So mm -hmm. I would usually say if I wanted somebody to do uh, something in a certain way or I wanted to convince some, somebody of an argument, I would say, oh, but I heard this somewhere or somebody else said it or mm -hmm. my friend who's really good at something would have done this or mm -hmm. I would always say it from some other part than me. It would never be like, I think this, I believe this. Mm -hmm. And uh, every time I had to make a big decision, I would do something that I thought somebody else would have done. So I would base it on a famous person. Be like, okay, so this really famous uh, CEO in Denmark would probably react in this way, mm -hmm. so that's what I'm gonna do. And then it failed. Huh? And it failed a lot. Yeah. And I, I failed a lot. And then a certain, at a certain point, it just hurt so much to oh. fail on other people's decisions. It was my decisions, but it, I based them on other people, right? Yeah, and yeah, and yeah. so, okay, I stopped doing that. And then I started making my own decisions. And then I stopped failing. Yeah. And actually stuff started to work out. Yeah. And when it didn't work out, I got smarter. Yeah. But the thing about other people's experiences is that you can't really learn from them because no. they're not yours. No. And they didn't hurt on you mm. when they went wrong. Mm. So when you, you have to make your own mistakes. Mm. And then when it's a mistake, it'll hurt. And But the good thing is you'll grow from it mm. and you'll become smarter and do better. So that's my best advice. Stop doing what everybody else think that they're doing or that you think they're doing. Just do what you would do. Yeah. Because no matter what, you'll learn from it. And that's at the end of the day what you need. You need to get smarter and better if you want to build a company. Exactly. But you, when, when you are in the moment of failing and you've been push down to the ground and you're like I can't see light in this world like how how can you how can you overcome that like do you have any tricks or tips that you use when you have a bad day or a tough period of your your company or you know because your company is you right and and how do you get through all that with if, if you fail two times with the investors how do you get through that and and now you've won with them like how how so the difference is perspective. Yeah. I didn't fail with investors. I got smarter. Yeah. Yeah. So, but that's Either back you to the win learning. Or you learn. Yes. That's uh, that's. So a you get smarter. Often, yeah. yeah. But like nobody woke up and just knew how to do everything. Yeah. All of these overnight successes, they don't exist. It's mm -hmm. it's a myth. Nobody rolled out of a basement and built a success that would take over the world and become a unicorn. Mm -hmm. It doesn't exist. It's a, a ton of failures. And then you get there and you get smarter and you actually figure out how to do stuff. Yes. So I think it's a matter of mindset mm -hmm. and perspective. Mm -hmm. And every time there's something I'm not good at, I'll shift my focus. I'll do something else. Mm -hmm. uh, a long time ago, I met a guy who was a surfer and uh, he built three unicorns. So a unicorn company, so a company that's valued to more than a billion dollars, and he sold them. So mm -hmm. he's he's loaded, and I and he was surfing and happy and uh, thirty something, and I asked him how he did, it and he said, "I always only do what I feel like doing." <laughs> okay, guys or girls, like if if I would do what I'm always feeling doing, I'd be laying on the uh, in bed watching Netflix and be like, ah. But I don't think so. No, you would I do that for maybe a day or two. Yeah. But then, because you wouldn't sit here if that was your nature. No, that's right. You'd do something. Yeah. So yeah. he he just always only did what he felt like doing. So if he didn't feel like writing emails, he wouldn't write an email. It just took four days to answer. He did, 
And, you know, maybe if somebody else would have said that, you wouldn't respect it. But this guy built three, three unicorns. Yeah. So he knows what he's doing. Yeah. He yeah. has the respect. I haven't learned to do that yet. I still do what I have to do. Yeah. But I'd love to be him. So, yeah. like, he is somewhere in my mind as, like, a, a cool, you know, urban myth that I've actually met. Oh, that'll be model. too bad for you. It'll <laughs> take four or five days until she answers you on email. <laughs> Sorry. That's just who she is. Yeah, not yet. But I, I aspire to become. You aspire to become. Hmm. You will. What's your plans with the Rockamore and this universe? What's your goal with, with this shop and this brand that you've yeah. built so far? So uh, it started as a Kickstarter because uh, when that guy told me I couldn't do it, I had to do it. Mm -hmm. And the only way I knew how to get funding was through this platform that my husband and boyfriend kept uh, playing on. He's a gamer and he was all about these weird games that he funded on this weird platform and I didn't understand any of it. And it was called Kickstarter. I'm like, okay, so fair enough, you can do it for games, you should be able to do it for fashion. And so I put my shoe project up and a lot of people supported it and I got uh, 306 people who bought 330 pairs of shoes. And so that was a lot to me, like 330 pairs of shoes. Oh my God, there's so many shoes, so much money that came with it. And uh, this year we're going to sell about 50,000 pairs of shoes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So in eight years, it became big. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and usually when people interview me, they always say, oh, but this is your baby. And I always correct them. This is, this is not a baby. This is a business. Mm -hmm. And it, it's going to be really big. Yeah. And we're going to get it as big as we can with the measures and resources that we have. Yeah. How many people are you on, on the team now? Because you sit in... I've met your beautiful colleagues here, uh, someone sitting in Denmark, you have now a shop in Oslo, yep. you also have something in Sweden? No, not yet. Not yet? No, we have a, a major league shop. You should go to shop. Holland, you know, Holland <laughs> is quite similar yeah, to Denmark. Do. Yes. Are you planning on going to Holland? Yep. Yes. Okay, so where are you now? Denmark yeah. and... No, we're just in Denmark and Norway. We yeah. have four stores, so three in Denmark and one here in Oslo. Yes. And we are uh, 18 people in the office and about 30 people in the stores. Yes. So it's uh, a little more than 50 people for the summer party. Well, Christmas party now. Yeah. When, when are you when are you opening, opening your next store? Right now, I don't know. No. That's the honest answer. And Corona must have been tough as well. Corona, it was tough, but it was okay. Mm -hmm. It was it felt more manageable than mm -hmm. what we're dealing with mm -hmm. right now. Because mm -hmm. Corona was people. Yeah. It was customers, figuring out what customers need. And mm -hmm. you and I are customers. Mm -hmm. So it, it's basically just people. And that we manage that with events, with uh, the Facebook group that we have, and, and altering a lot of the ways that we work to uh, meet these new circumstances. Mm -hmm. But uh, the crisis we're in now is, it's not just people, it's the entire supply chain. It's mm -hmm. production, it's raw materials, it's shipping, it's mm -hmm. shortage, mm -hmm. it's uh, a lot of factories mm -hmm. going bankrupt. Mm -hmm. There is an insane amount of challenges now that we have never seen before. Mm -hmm. And I have never dealt with, but mm -hmm. many people have never dealt with. Mm -hmm. So we have to figure out what the world is before we can figure out where we're going next. Exactly. Live day by day and enjoy the process. What's a day in your life? Like, uh, how would a day of Frederick Smith uh, look like? What have you done today and yesterday? Uh, well, yesterday was Sunday, <laughs> so I didn't work. Ah! Ah, yeah, <laughs> not exciting. Yeah, let's take today. Uh, today I came here, so uh, usually in a day I'll go to the office and I would be there around nine, and then I'll do emails for the first couple of hours because I'm the kind of person that can't 
relax if I know that other people need something from me. Mm-hmm. So I need to figure out what they need and I'll scope it out, who needs to be answered, who doesn't, and I'll put it aside. Mm-hmm. And then I, I'll do meetings usually for the rest of the day. So I work best with people mm-hmm. and I like to get people excited and people running. I don't like to do everything by myself. Mm-hmm. So then I'll have a meeting with the creative team, the content team, my production team, uh, my fi- finance guy. We're meeting a lot these days because raw materials are <laughs> yeah. expensive. Yeah. Uh, but like figuring out whatever it is that we need. And mm-hmm. then I usually um, focus on a project. So it can be customer service. Or it can be understanding why one shoe sells better than the other. Or it can be developing our web shop. Or mm-hmm. There's a lot of little uh, pinpoints in the business that then I'll, I'll choose that one because I, I can't help it. I'm so curious and annoying. And I'll be like, that one has to be better. And then the people who are working in that area then will have to deal with me for mm. a couple of days. Mm. Okay, so now I like you are you are a people person, you are a leader. So you don't like to like say going that. into the task yourself, you're like standing here and then saying, making people inspired. How do you inspire people? How do you, how do you make them do things that you want them to do? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm also a, a do-it-yourself kind of person and I've, I've struggled for many years with not just doing it myself mm. and be like, no, no, don't matter, I'll do it. You have to trust other people to do it. Um, but I think it's about the people, to be fair. I don't think it's about me. Mm. I've, mm. I've tried now for eight years to have employees and I think the best employees are the ones that feel like they're on the same team as you. So mm. they're equally cool. They, yeah. they do their stuff and they do it better than me. So then we're equal in the way that we work. It's not me telling them what to do. It's them telling me what we need and then me pointing out a problem and them finding the solution. Exactly. And then you need to figure out how to hire the best people. Yeah, I spend a lot of time on that. Yeah. What's uh, what's your recruitment process? Maybe some here wants to work for Rockamore or maybe like how, how do you recruit? How do you find the best talents? So we have a uh, talent test mm-hmm. that I'm addicted to. It can be any kind of talent test as long as you have the same one because you need a baseline for all of the people that you work with. Mm-hmm. And um, in this talent test, there's 34 talents. And everybody who works, then the top 12 are the one that matters. But everybody who works at Rockamora, I've figured out by now, have this th- the same three talents. Okay. And so they, they have to be represented in the top 12. Mm-hmm. And once I figured that out, it was really easy to start scouting for people who fill those requirements. Mm, is it um, the 38 talents you get when you get like this list of yeah. talents and then there's like... Yeah, you can be 100% or you can be 80% or 90% or whatever. But yeah, you have a list yeah. of talents and the 12 matters. But the top three are the way you're born and the rest will shift depending yeah. on how you are in yeah. your life. But at Rockamore, you need to uh, be able to navigate in chaos. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's a talent. It's called organizing. Mm-hmm. Then there's a talent called responsible, mm-hmm. which basically means you'll means you'll meet all your deadlines mm-hmm. and that that is the one talent that makes me relax because it doesn't matter what i'll throw to you you'll figure it out mm-hmm. or you'll come back because you're so responsible that either you'll do it or you'll tell me or somebody else that you need help doing it mm-hmm. and that's what makes it easy for me because yeah. if you weren't responsible you would leave it and i'd have to figure out that you haven't done it and then i'd have to clean up for you so responsible is really important yeah and then and navigating chaos is also really important because if you're the kind of person who wants to be done and, and who can't relax until there's an empty inbox, mm. you'll never be happy at Rockamore because mm. there's never an empty inbox. You mm. have to be okay with that. Mm. And, and there will always be something new tomorrow mm. or something on Friday or we're changing whatever we're doing in an hour. Mm. Yeah. And the last one is positive. So mm. there's a, a certain amount of positive talents and mm. you'll need one of them. doesn't mm. matter which, you just 
You need a positive one ah. so that when something comes up and you didn't know it was coming, yeah. you'll be like, yeah, okay, don't know how to do it, but I'll figure it out. Yeah. What's a positive talent? Is that like... Oh, it can be anything from being positive to being influencing, uh, to being connecting with people. Yeah. To it's it's mostly people based, but it's all about how you tackle challenges. Yeah, and then about challenges, what's your what's your biggest challenge up until now? I don't have one. I think we have a lot. Yeah. Um, I think the the. The thing that's the most difficult is building a, a business and a brand outside of your home market because mm. it takes that much longer to figure out what's trending, what's happening, what are people talking about, how can I be ballsy with a Rockmore Purple campaign, how can I tap into a subject that everybody's already into, mm. how can I you know, figure out a way to ride the trend so that I don't have to spend so much marketing mm. and so many, so many resources on becoming seen. Yeah. But I just I do something that provoke people or that rides a wave or whatever. That's really hard. And I mm. thought it would be easier because our countries are so alike. Mm. But it, it really doesn't matter. It's all about being in the country, which is why we now have boots on the ground in this country so that we also can better hear what's happening. In the country. Yeah. Because yeah. it's and all about being relevant. And you can't be relevant if you're sitting far away, right? No, that's right. Because you know, never know what, what happens. I think that I will, I will go into... Uh, one of our you know, business talks uh, question that I ask all of my uh, guests and then I will open up for, for you guys or you girls <laughs> to, to um, ask some questions if you sit in with someone um, that you've been wondering on. So start thinking about that and then I'll ask um, two questions. Great. Yes. <laughs> if you got five million kroners right now, what would you do with them? For me or for the company? Okay, we can take both. <laughs> for you and then for the company. I want to hear both. Okay. Uh, well, it w if it was for me, I would buy the most expensive, um, pretty, but useless, useless investment uh, house in Italy. Probably in Florence, uh, right next to the water. Oh. But that's really bad real estate because they lose value every day. Oh. Um, so that. And uh, if it was for the company, I, I don't know. I think I would... Um, Hmm. More marketing? No. I think I would take everybody to my very fancy house in Italy so we could celebrate <laughs> that now we have so one. So 10 million then. <laughs> well, you gave me 10. Five and five, no? Yeah, okay. Oh, I gave you 10. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, nice. And for our listeners today, what, what, what do you think they should take out from this after listening to you? Like, what is the one thing all of you girls who have actually chosen to get out of the door, come into this place and use one hour of your life. You have busy lives, all of you, and you're using one to two hours on this. Um, what what should they what should they get out uh, from this? Listening to to us and you and seeing all these beautiful shoes. I think the same thing that you started off saying that if I can do it, everybody can do it. I truly believe that because I have no education or paper on anything besides being a shoe designer, and that's like 10% of my job today. Mm. Everything else I had to figure out. Mm. And there's a million people being su successful every day with stuff they didn't know how to do. Mm. So just uh, with the fear of sounding like Nike, but just do it, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and you'll get smarter in the process. You will, you will. Okay, uh, is there someone who like, has something on their heart, something they want to ask Frederike or me for, for that sake for uh, now? 
you have the chance. Mm-hmm. Yes. What What's your name? Uh, Estefania. Estefania. So I'm from Colombia, actually. But um, I just love the way that you turned your passion into a movement, and it's very inspiring. I think and relatable what uh, your story and what you're telling us. Thank you. But um, I was wondering, how do you know when to take a risk? Like you have been talking about challenges and passion, but um, how do you know if you should follow? And how do you measure your risks? Mm, Yeah, so the question is, how do you measure your risks? Or how do you know when to take a risk? Mm -hmm. So I think, again, it's, it's back to your baseline. It's kind of like perspective. Uh, I grew up with a single mother with no money. So when I was, uh, f- I've been working from, a, I was 14. When I was 16, I conned my way in as a bartender and I used to work every summer three months as a bartender and all the tips got me going for the rest of the year. And if not, then I just sleep with friends or like their houses and couches and whatever. So I've, I've never had money and I'm never scared of not having money. And that's an insane, powerful, uh, resource or tool or feeling if you will because if you're not scared of not having money you can basically do anything because that that's the thing that stops most people it's like oh but I have my house and my rent and my car and my expensive habits and whatever yeah but you can also not have them and still be happy so for me risks might not be the same as they are for you because I, I came from a very low baseline where it didn't matter if I had money um, Managing them is, for me, a uh, more of a stress question. So what is truly uh, a risk for me is to wear myself down. I am the product. I am not the company. The company is the team. So we are all building Rockamore together and they can do it without me. But I might be some of the driver or some of the positivity. So I can't not be the force in the company. So I have to look at what is important for me. So the way that I manage risk you'd say for me that's the way I manage stress make sure that I listen to what I need and I listen to how much I can work and how much I can't and saying that I just have to underline again that I'm insanely competitive and like really need to perform and I think like I'm the person who can't go to yoga because I'll uh, I'll compete with everybody next to me I'll be like yeah yeah but I can do better than you (laughs) (laughs) so it's it's about figuring out how I can cheat myself like con myself into taking an hour off because I won't do it otherwise. So it's a mind game, but but that's my biggest focus. Mm. Makes sense? Yeah. Yeah. Do you have someone more has a question? Yeah. What's your name? Uh, Cassandra. Cassandra. So I'm wondering, like, how do you come up with a good brand name? Like, what's the story behind your brand name? Like, how do you, how does the process look like for you? Yeah, so my brand name had to be something you could say in Italian and in Danish. So I knew I wanted to do shoes in Italy because that's where they do them well. They're the best shoemakers in the world. And if I couldn't work with them, I didn't want to do the shoes. So it had to be Italian. But so many Danes can't pronounce Italian words. (laughs) My husband uh, is called Michele and he will forever be Michelle in Denmark. And he's everybody thinks he's a girl and he's like, okay with that. But still, there's a lot of (laughs) sounds that you can't say. So. Um, if you start looking at what can be pronounced by Scandinavians, it narrows it down quite a bit. And then it was a play on Google for months and months and months and months because it had to be something that nobody else had or at least registered. And so uh, I, I figured out that it should be something with amore because it sounds nice and everybody knows what it means and love for shoes, love for people. And then um, I don't know where it came from, but rock amore, it means a fortress of love. 
So the very tacky feeling is that it's a fortress of love around your feet as opposed to those torture chambers that you might otherwise wear. <laughs> yeah. But I, I have no process inspiration. Just keep Googling until you find something that sounds nice. I'm there too. Rocamore? Rocamore. I say rocamore. So the Italians would say rocamore. But you can say rocamore. Yeah, it's okay. In, if you're really lucky in Denmark, you'll meet somebody who say rocamore. Rocamore. Works too. Yeah. We have a yes. What's your favorite shoe? Ooh, I didn't ask you to pick amongst your children. <laughs> I don't know. I think the shoe that I just created, but I, I'm, I'm very spiteful. As soon as it launched, I find all the mistakes with it. So uh, the first collection I made, I, I couldn't deal with it being shipped off to these people because they were the first people who backed me, the 306 people who bought my shoes. And I felt almost like I owed them my life or my firstborn because they gave me money and I was they didn't even know who I was, they would just run with it. And so when I made the shoes, I, I, they were not good enough. So I spent a whole six months hating the shoes because they were not good enough. And for the next three years, every time I launched shoes, I hated them. Because I, I loved them and then I launched them like, fuck, that's wrong and that's wrong and that's wrong and that's wrong. And every time people came with feedback, I almost died inside. Like, I know, they're so bad. <laughs> <laughs> but then I figured out doesn't matter how I see the shoes because they're like when I created them I see them differently than you do um, and it doesn't matter what went wrong in production because there's weird feet everywhere so there, there's gonna be feet that love the shoes like there's gonna be a match somewhere and they're gonna be happy and then once I started focusing on what the shoes did for people like that woman she loved those shoes and they made her feel better and it it happened with a shoe that I thought was completely screwed up then I could relax and then I kind of loved all the shoes. I don't know if it makes sense. So, so now I'm, I'm more, I love my shoes because I know they make people happy. But if you ask me about every single one, I'll find you a million things about it that should have been better. <laughs> but that's also, then you're never done. You can always develop, you can always become better. Like I think if you're done, you're done. Yeah. There's no reason to come back. You can always get better. Yes. Yes, yes Angela? Frederica, I asked you this question before and I thought your answer was brilliant. Uh -oh. I asked you, <laughs> let's see, <laughs> this is the yeah. tricky question. I asked you if you would do anything differently in your process so the price point would be lower so more, more women could afford your shoes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I remember asking that. asking you again that question because I really loved your, your answer. And the answer is even more relevant today because everything is even more expensive today. So one of the things I'm the most proud of is the fact that we managed to a cradle to cradle certify our shoes, which is a certification that nobody knows what it means. It doesn't matter. But inside of it, there's like these five pillars that make up the certification. And one of them is social fairness. And we got gold in social fairness because everybody in our supply, supply chain is treated fairly. Most of them are women. And I feel proud of that and I want to make sure that everybody who was part of making my shoes got paid what they're supposed to be paid and if I have to make sure of that while also making sure that my materials came from cows who were as happy as possible then I can't put the prices down there's just no way I can make it in a way so people either don't get paid or the cows come from Brazil which unfortunately is is a very bad place for cows to come from when they are in the fashion industry what you really want for them is to come from Scandinavia. So all of this is expensive. 
and then I need a markup in order to pay for all of the people that work for Rockamore and all of the marketing and the rents and everything that we do around the brand. So that's the difference between my production price and my retail price. Then there's a VAT in that that sucks, but that's not my fault. It's mm -hmm. always there. And, uh, and actually the price is not even high enough for us to have other uh, wholesalers, which is why we open our own stores because we can't afford to sell it to wholesalers because then the markup would have been double mm -hmm. and I would have had to charge you 30 to 40% more for the shoe. So I already did my best to keep it as low as possible. Thank you. Marit, um, I loved your chaos. Thank you. And, uh, and uh, how you sort of work around that. My name is Marit. I'm a CEO and founder of a company called Kapata, a digital CFO. Really boring stuff, not elegant stuff mm -hmm. like, like shoes and clothes and that. Um, I would actually like to ask you a question that Henrietta asked me when I was on, uh, lucky enough to be on a podcast, and I thought it was a really, really good question. So I'm gonna basically ask you, um, what, um, what kind of advice would you give you to yourself as uh, a 20 year old? Love that question. Yeah, <laughs> I did too, it really made me think. The same as I, I would give anybody else, trust in yourself, stop doing what you think everybody else would do, stop making decisions based on what somebody else would have done according to you. It would have saved me a lot of time and a lot of trouble and it would have made me feel more confident and stand stronger much faster and I would have made a better company out of it and I would have become a better leader out of it. The reason I care so much about women standing strong is because it took me so long to learn myself and I'm not even there yet. It doesn't take much to knock me over. So I think that's why we need a community because then if, we're, if there's more of us, we're harder to knock over because it doesn't matter that you think I shouldn't be allowed to wear pink or that I don't know my numbers well enough to present or pitch to you. But if we're more people that way, you're the, you're the asshole, I'm not. I think we should end with a cheers. And say thank you and to thank the you. very great audience. You always have empty glasses all <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> thank you so much for joining the podcast, Federica. Uh, thank you for having me. Yes.